Mark was a disciple of a guy named Simon Peter. He was a disciple, a friend, a mentee of a guy named Simon Peter, the apostle uh, Peter, or St. Peter, as maybe some of you know him. And Mark sits down, and he wants the bare facts. He's uh, kind of the theme of Mark is like, keep it brief, ma'am. Keep it brief, sir, you know. And uh, he gives us kind of the bare bones of the story of Jesus. And written by Mark, as, as was told by Peter, Mark wants to help us understand who Jesus is. And last week, we dove into the fact that right out of the gate, Mark lets us know that he is the Messiah. He skips over Christmas, which is an atrocity to many of you in the room. I can't believe Mark just forgot about Christmas. And he dove right into first sentence, he's the Messiah. And then he took us to the shores of the Jordan River, where a guy named John the Baptist was there John the Baptist also recognizes who Jesus is, that he recognizes this isn't my moment, this is Jesus' moment. And we went, we went through verses 1 through 7 last week, and today we're going to hone in on one verse and a statement that Mark makes, and we're going to talk about that. In Mark chapter 1, verse 8, he says this, I baptize you with water, but he, meaning Jesus, in Mark chapter 1, verse 8, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Let me read that again. It's not on your screen. You can look it up. I baptize you with water, but he, meaning Jesus, will baptize you with the, everybody say, Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why do we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This week, listen, I'm, I'm about to share with you literally the second greatest gift other than salvation that God has ever given me. Number one being salvation. This is number two. This is literally like a gift that I received when I was 17 years old. Uh, the week after I gave my life to Christ and said yes to salvation, I received this gift, and it's literally changed my life. It's changed my children's lives. My two older kids have received this gift. And my daughter, 16-year-old daughter, walked in this morning into my room and said, Dad, I'm so excited about what God's going to do this morning. This is literally one of my favorite subjects. But I want to give you a few tips before we dive in any further. And here's, here's the first one. We have a lot of different denominations represented here in this room. I, I, last time that we counted, we had over 12 different denominations represented at Saints Community Church. How many think that's pretty cool? Come on, how many think we're embracing diversity, not only by race, but different denominations coming together under the creed, under the name of Jesus? But here's also what that means. That means that all of us have been taught different things, and we all have what I call a filter. Everybody say filter. So a filter, you know what a filter is. It's where you run something through. But the problem is that all of us have a different stopping point in our filter. We all have a point where our filter gets stuck. I have that. You have that. And what I'm going to ask you to do this morning is to, to understand that you have a filter, but to also recognize that maybe God wants to break through that filter. And he wants to maybe give you a bigger filter, okay, that, that, he, that where he can kind of open up that filter and pour more into you than maybe you even realized. The other thing that I want you to understand is that I don't, I'm, I'm really big on like, th there's no pressure involved this morning. And sometimes my, my wife says like, when you say no pressure, that actually feels like it's pressure. Uh, but 
I really want you to hear my heart today. I, I want you to hear that, like, like, we're into journeying with people here at Saints Community Church, and we're not forcing anything on anyone. We're not going to do anything dumb this morning. I'll talk about some of the, those kinds of things here in a minute. And the other thing I want to tell you is let's not have any un, unspoken offenses, okay? Listen, I'm convinced that most people that leave churches could have handled a situation that they felt offended about in a two-minute conversation. Literally, a two-minute hallway conversation might have kept them and their kids in church. And, and so we're big on like, man, if something hits you wrong or you got questions or whatever, come talk to a leader about it. Come talk to your, your small group uh, leader about it on Wednesday. When, when, I get, when we get done teaching uh, on Wednesday, you, you, can get done, you can go, hey, like, I, I don't even want to talk. I want to talk about something that happened on Sunday that, that I want to talk about. Don't have any unspoken offenses. And, and then lastly, Ask questions. If you have questions, ask questions. The subject that we're going to dive into today is, it, it can be, it's not always, but it can be a little bit tougher for smart people, for people that are intellectual. Now, I'm not an intellectual, okay? And so, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, my wife always says, you're smarter than you give yourself credit for. I, I really have, a, my work ethic is really good, and so, uh, but I don't believe I'm the most intelligent person so I say that to say, if you have questions and you're a, a deep dive, analytical, intellectual, super intelligent, got to analyze everything 15 different ways from diff- 15 different uh, perspectives, you have kind of what I call the paralysis of analysis, okay? Uh, listen, if that's you, ask questions. You can ask questions of me, our elders, our staff, uh, our, our, our small group leaders, your team leads, whoever it is in your life, feel free to ask questions. With that said, I want to also read some verses. We, we left off of Mark chapter 1, verse 8, but let's read John chapter 14, verse 16. This is Jesus actually speaking, and he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Everybody say advocate. He's going to never leave you, Jesus said. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Everybody put your two hands out like this. Everybody put your hands out like this and go with you, in you. Okay, remember, with you, in you. Okay, those are actually two different things, and Jesus makes it very clear those are distinctive. Those are actually two separate things where the Holy Spirit is with you, and he's also in you. So Jesus is making a promise to his disciples that the person of the Holy Spirit was going to come and was going to baptize them. And Jesus does this before he even dies, before he raises from the dead. And then here's the fulfillment of that promise. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. How many of you would have liked to have been in that church service? Hello? That would have been a fun one. Hey, dude, there's fire on your head. (laughs) There's fire on yours, too. I want to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, help me. Baptize your people. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So in Acts 2, all of a sudden, boom, Jesus makes the promise. They receive this promise, and they receive this power that comes on their life. It's the same promise that I received when I was 17 years old and that I've gotten to pray with thousands of other people to receive. And anybody that's received this promise will tell you that it's a game changer. Somebody said, do you need the Holy Spirit? Do you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? And, uh, and I, I love what one pastor said. He said, you don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. It's a game changer. It'll change your life. It'll change everything you know. And some of you say, well, aren't I, are, are, don't I already have the Holy Spirit? Now go back to, remember, with you and in you. Because the word that's actually used here in the Greek where Jesus is speaking, is, it's called plero. Everybody say plero. Plero means to be filled to overflowing. It means that if I had a, a cup of water here and it was completely full, that is you as you receive Christ. The day that you gave your life to Jesus. Those of you in the room that have said yes to Jesus and those of you that, that want to say yes to Jesus at some point, man, that, will, that glass is full of the Holy Spirit. But then it would literally be like if I took that glass and I put it in a pitcher that was full of water to the point where the glass actually was enveloped, completely wrapped around that pitcher of water. Then it's like overflowing. That's the kind of, of picture that I want you to see. Now, there's a lot of different definitions and a lot of words that the Holy Spirit uh, gives us and is used in the New Testament about who the Holy Spirit is. But the one I want to hone in on that Jesus used is the word advocate. Everybody say advocate. Advocate, there's a lot of different definitions for advocate, but what I, what I really want to use this morning is the word advocate is just a what? It's on the screen. Advocate's a what? He's a helper. The advocate is a helper. The Holy Spirit is a helper. He helps us. Walk the journey of faith and walk with Jesus in a whole different kind of way. This is kind of how I, I describe it, okay? How many of you would say that living for Jesus seems like it's pretty simple, but it's not very easy? Raise your hands. Yep, yep, it's pretty simple, uh, but it's not always very easy to live uh, for Jesus. It can be really hard. To me, it's kind of like literally one of the worst jobs that you could ever have in your entire life. And that is, how many of you ever, when you were children, you got assigned the job to go out and rake leaves in the yard? Come on. How many of you ever got that job? Raise your hand. Okay. I felt like at one point when I was a teenager, the only reason my parents had me was to give me jobs like this. And, and listen, man, there, there's some people that love raking. They're like, you know, they jump in the pile. And I'm like, no, you still got to work like three hours to make the pile. It's stupid. You know? And... It's, it's a hard job to rake leaves. And living for Jesus can be difficult too because many times we know what to do, but we don't do what we know how to do, what we know we should do because it's difficult. How many of you would be honest, and we're kind of into transparency here at Saints Community Church, and say, I know I should read my Bible, but I don't always know what or how or I don't actually do what I need to do and there's things in there I don't understand. How many of you be honest and say, sometimes I get hung up on the Bible. Raise your hands. Come on. Mine's in the air too. I mean, you're reading through and you're trying so hard to 
read your Bible and work for the Lord, and I know I should do this, and I know, you know, it's what we've been talking about on Wednesday nights, the reliability of the Bible. And, and uh, listen, Wednesday, Pastor Daniel is going to talk to us about how to read the Bible. It's really, uh, I'm telling you, I've already seen the notes. It's amazing. You don't miss Wednesday night. But you're like, I'm trying, and you get away from Wednesday night. You get away from Sunday morning. You're giving, a, you're giving it all you got, but then you're like, I don't understand, God. Why you got to put all these begats in there? Like, why you got to put out the son of, the son of, the son of, the son of, the son of? And then if you're like me, okay, I'm an Enneagram 3, which means I like to complete tasks, which means I can't skip that stuff, Okay. How many of you are, you, you, you feel no guilt just to skip right over that and go to the next thing, okay? I, I love you, and I, I wish I could do that. But I'll, like, lay awake at night and go, I didn't really, I didn't really read the whole thing. You know, I didn't, I didn't really do it. So you come to that stuff, or you're like, Lord, why, why, what is going on in these weird books like Numbers, God? I mean, Lord, if there's a book called Numbers, why isn't there one called Letters, God? I don't understand. That's a bad dad joke. Anyway. Hard. And then you got to, like, not only read your Bible, you got to, like, pray. And that can be really hard sometimes. You run out of words. You don't know what to say. You're, you're trying hard. It's been six minutes, and you're like, I, 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 don't, I don't know what else you want me to. I prayed for the missionaries, Lord. I did everything, you know, I, I prayed that you'd help pastor, Lord. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know what else to do. You're praying. You're like, this is so hard. And how many have ever felt really tired when you're praying? Raise your hands, okay? And, yeah, I know, because I've been in some prayer meetings with you all, okay? Like, like, you just feel like, how many have ever felt led towards your bed during your prayer time? During your, like, I just feel like the Lord's just leading me this direction. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yes. <laughs> I feel God's presence right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Sister Sheets. You're great in my life. Pastor Pillow, you pastor me so well. Thank you so much, Pastor Pillow. I'm just going to ask the great comforter just to come and cover me. Cover me right now, you know? I mean, it's hard. It's hard to know how to pray sometimes. And then you're supposed to, like, tell people about Jesus, and we're always communicating. you got to be reaching people, invest in people that don't know Christ, bring them to church, invite them, get them to know Jesus. But how many of you have ever, like, gone to do that? I know I have, and you're like, have, you're, like, your mouth just numbs up, and you don't know what to say. Come on. Like, I don't know, you know, like, that. it can be hard. And so what happens is all of these things are hard work, it's like raking leaves, but then you receive this helper, this advocate, this person that literally comes in and changes the game for you. And then what was hard work all of a sudden becomes fun work. Now, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to get this thing started, okay? Okay, hold on. One, two. Okay. Okay, hold on. One, two. Adam, you said it would start right up. I knew you were going to have to come up. Come on. Oh, it's that thing. Did I flood it? Oh, there we go. Thank you, sir. Now, what was work, I know it's gas, I'll turn it off in a second. What was work, all of a sudden, is fun. Now, I was told not to blow this in anybody's face, because it could blow out their contacts. 
but I can blow on like pants and stuff. So what was, what was work is now fun. Y'all are like, Pastor, you need to get a grip and calm down. How many of you would rather use this than the rake? Hello? Me too. I, got, I turned it off by myself. I feel excited about that. The Holy Spirit comes, and what felt, that is a lot of gas. I can smell it, okay? What felt like work, all of a sudden we receive a helper that comes in, a baptism of the person of the Holy Spirit that comes in and changes the game and makes it so much easier to do what we were already trying to do. So what does he help us with? What does he advocate for us? Well, I want you to take some notes. I'm going to run through these really quickly here this morning. But number one, he helps us read the Bible. The Holy Spirit comes and helps us make sense of the Bible. He's right there according to Ephesians 1, 17 through 18, and John 16, 13 through 14. He illuminates Scripture for us, literally like it pops off the page as we, we are working with the Holy Spirit to read the Bible. Number two, he's our comforter, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. How many of you have ever needed comfort in your life? Raise your hands. Yeah, me too. And sometimes the, the Holy Spirit comes in and gives us incredible comfort as he comes in and he is the great comforter. Number three, he helps us pray. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says, And the Holy Spirit helps in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. How many have ever reached a point in your prayer time where you didn't know what else to pray? Come on, all the time for me. And the Bible talks about in Romans 8, 26, when we don't know how to pray as we ought, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with moanings and groanings that can't be understood. In other words, when we begin to pray in this prayer language that the Holy Spirit gives us, our prayers, become they flow, they go easier. We all of a sudden know what to pray because the Holy Spirit is praying through us. This is actually called speaking in tongues, Okay. It's, it's a language that transcends English, and where you go into a different language, it's not some mindless thing where you're like, I have lost control, my body now belongs to the Lord. It's not that. It's simple. The, the Holy Spirit, God gives you the words in your mind, in your heart, and then you speak them out. Some people say, well, what if it's just me speaking? <laughs> my, my question is always, well, who else would it be that's speaking, you know? Number four, the Holy Spirit gives us direction and leadership. Direction and leadership. Many of you right now are waiting on big decisions in your life. You're trying to figure out, where do I go? Which, which major should I have in college? Should I go to graduate school? Should I move away? Should I, should I marry this person? Usually the answer is no. But anyway, like you're trying to figure out, what to do, where to go, those big decisions in your life. And I'm here today to tell you that 
There are many times where if you would pray, the Holy Spirit would give you direction and leadership in your life and begin to speak to you in a way that you can understand. Number five, he brings greater conviction of sin. According to John 16, verses 8 and 9. The Holy Spirit, and when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I began to feel prodded about things that I had not felt prodded about before. Where uh, The Holy Spirit now is like, don't say that, don't do that, shouldn't have said that, need to apologize, need to, need to think about watching something different, need to think about listening to something different, need to be involved in a different conversation with different people, doing different things. Not only what I shouldn't do, but what I should do. The Holy Spirit will prod you. You need to pray, pray this direction. You need to think about this. You need to lead this way. You need to teach this. You need to do this. The Holy Spirit begins to give us greater conviction of sin. Number six, this is a big one. He gives us power for service. Everybody say power. For service. Now, I, I want to help us understand that this is actually the primary reason that Jesus wanted his disciples to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. In other words, listen to this. He didn't feel like three years with him every single day of their life all of his teachings, everything that he gave them through his life witness and his life example, sleeping in the tent with Jesus, walking to different cities with Jesus, seeing Jesus do those healings, cast out those demons. Literally, they got a three-year education that we would pay a million dollars for from Jesus. And Jesus says, I know that was good and all, but you aren't ready yet. He said, there's one gift that you've got to receive. This will actually prepare you for service in my kingdom. The Bible says that as they receive this Holy Spirit, the, the personalities of these guys transform. We look at Simon Peter, who was like naughty. A little girl asked him if he was with Jesus when Jesus is being crucified. And he's like, no, I'm not. I don't even know who he is. I mean, this... This, this cat that, that was shy and bashful and literally couldn't, he denied Jesus three times. Some of you remember the rooster crowed and, you know, and Jesus is on the cross saying, I told you so, you know. And, and, and then this same guy gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, stands up in front of thousands of people and basically preaches to them and 3,000 of them get saved. He transforms us. It's like it's almost like a personality shift where, where this power for service, to tell people about Jesus, to witness, to love people in a different way, this is, it, this is what the Holy Spirit comes for. Some of you go, sounds really great. I'd like to receive this gift. How do I receive? I'm so glad you're asked. I just want you to write these down. Here's some steps to receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number one, you got to believe it's valuable. Believe it's valuable. In other words, you, you're not, if you're, you're coming today and you're going, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, maybe, I guess. I don't know. I mean, he sounds pretty excited about it up there. I don't know. Maybe. I don't like. No, I want you in your heart to say, this sounds like it would be a game changer for me. This sounds like it would change the way I parent. It would change the way I witness at work. It would change the way my, I do my Bible reading. It would change the, my prayer. It would change my, I, I, I want this valuable gift in my life. And then number two, ask for him. Ask for him. Now, notice I said 
I didn't say ask for it, okay? The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. He's a third part of the Trinity, and, but he is a person. And Luke eleven thirteen tells us this. I want you to look at this. Jesus said, if, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who what? Ask him. Now, here's, here's the news. You don't have to beg. You don't have to plead. You don't have to come up and do jumping jacks for Jesus. You don't have to go, I want, I want it, I want it, Lord. See, I'm working hard. I'll do push-ups, whatever you want to do, Lord. I want this gift. No, listen, I want you to think of it like this. I'm a dad, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a decent dad. I, I actually love my children. We've decided to keep all three of them, okay? And, and on Christmas morning, do you think that I make my children beg for their presents that are under the tree? Do you think when they come, Dad, Dad, we're ready to open our presents. You think I look at Levi, three years old, and go, I don't know if you're ready, child. Get down on your knees. You better beg, Dad. Kiss Dad's feet and prove that you want these gifts, or I shall withhold every single one of them. No. Man, I'm more excited than my kids are. You reach a point in your life as a parent where you're not worried about what you're getting for Christmas. You can't wait to give your child what they're getting for Christmas, right? I'm just an earthly father. I'm an imperfect, full of sin, earthly dad who loves his kids and wants to give them gifts at Christmas. How much more is the perfect heavenly father in heaven saying, hey, you don't have to beg me for it. All you got to do is ask. I've just been waiting for you to ask because I'm really excited to give this to you. Wow. All you got to do is ask. Number three, don't look for physical reactions. Now, this is twofold. When I say that, some of you are like, uh, what? What do you mean, physical reactions? Listen, some people, as they're receiving the baptism and then as the Holy Spirit comes on them, experience this in different things. I've talked to some people that have all of a sudden they'll feel like a sensation of heat on their body. I've talked to others that'll feel all of a sudden like a, a, a cold that will run through them, a, a chill. I've talked to others that will have an inexpressible peace that comes over them. I mean, they come and they receive the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, man, all these depression and anxiety and everything that was filling their life, they're like, all just this peace just washes over them and they they walk away and they're like, peace, man. Like, it's all good. That joke didn't go over as well as I thought. Anyway, some people have inexpressible joy that fills them. I mean, literally, like, they are happy for Jesus. Literally, listen, I got to tell you, if you would have known me pre-Jesus, my biggest issue was not drugs and alcohol, it was not all of the, the partying and all that stuff. My biggest issue was rebellion. And I was smug. I didn't like to smile. I, I made it my life's work to, to make sure that a frown stayed on my face. But when I received Jesus, and then when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I can't help but be happy. Hello? Come on, y'all. On the other hand, listen, some of you think that the Holy Spirit only moves when there's these incredible physical reactions. 
whether somebody receives the Holy Spirit and there's a big physical reaction, or they receive the Holy Spirit and they just receive the Holy Spirit and there's no huge thing, that doesn't make anyone more or less spiritual. Hello? Can I tell you about my experience? Here's my experience. My youth pastor said to me the week after I gave my life to Christ, it was literally a week later, he said, hey, you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I didn't even know what he was talking about. I said, is it good? And he goes, yeah, it's going to help you. I was like, really, it's going to help me? He said, yeah, it's going to help you a lot. I was like, all right. That was literally the teaching that I got to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he prayed for me, and literally within a few seconds, I started hearing his words in my mind and in my heart. I began to speak them out. I didn't fall. I didn't weep uncontrollably. I didn't jump up and down. It was literally like, got the words, spoke them out, felt really good. Hey, I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's amazing. Walked away. In about five minutes, it was over, and literally that gift has never left my life. So, and then I've had other times where I have had some of those expressions and some of those reactions. I just know this. The Holy Spirit can move in every individual the way that he wants to. We're not determining that. We're not forcing anything on people. Number four, as you receive the person of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you speak out in tongues by faith. We see a pattern in the book of Acts, okay, where when the Holy Spirit came, people began to speak in other tongues. There's this pattern that we see in Acts 2.4, in Acts 10.46, in Acts 19, verse 6. And actually, verse 19... Chapter 19, verse 6 says this, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in what? In tongues. In other words, the Holy Spirit doesn't come imperceptibly, meaning like we're not sure if he came. One of the evidences, and I don't know that it's the only, but one of the evidences of the person of the Holy Spirit is this praying in another language. Paul actually bragged about it at one point in Corinthians. He told the church in Corinth, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you do. I think I would give Paul a run for his money. But pastor, do I have to speak in tongues? No, you don't have to speak in tongues. You get to speak in tongues. It's so fun. Listen, we're not going to have any weird manipulation today. Nobody's going to come up and do anything goofy, we're not pushing people down, we don't do that at this church, okay, it would be really easy, I could call everybody up and I could say, okay, just repeat after me, we're going to manipulate this whole thing, and just say, okay, well, just say uh, she came in a Honda, okay, and you just say it quickly, she came in a Honda, she came in a Honda, she came in a Honda, oh, that's good, that's good, you're receiving the Holy Spirit, all right, all right, now, she left in a Mazda, she left in a Mazda. She left in a When you put the two together, she came in hot, she left the She came in hot, she left the mind. 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 Yeah! Okay? And wait, it's not over. Her Mazda broke down, so she bought a Hyundai. Her Mazda broke down, so she bought a Hyundai. When you put the three together really quickly, she came in hot, she left the Mazda, her mother a Hyundai. She came in hot, she left the Mazda, her mother a Hyundai. She came in hot, she left the Mazda, her mother a Hyundai. She came in hot, she left Yeah! That's the Holy Spirit! And I say, No! That's stupid! That's manipulation. That's goofy. That's not God. And if we do that kind of junk, listen to me, we hurt people. And we scar people. And we make them turned off to the gifts that God has maybe for the rest of their life. 
We're not doing that here, okay? This is a simple thing where you come and you ask Jesus for this baptism, for this gift. How does it happen? God gives you the words and you speak them out. Number five, avoid the hindrances of receiving. Here's some hindrances. Doubt, okay? What's the opposite of doubt? Faith. Doubt says, not sure, not going to happen, probably won't. God probably wants to baptize everybody but me. Don't even know if this is real. Faith says, this is God. This is in his word. He has this gift for me. Jesus said it over and over. God's going to give me this doubt and faith. And then number two, fear. Fear is a hindrance. Some people, and I believe that the enemy uses this weapon like crazy. That all of a sudden people get scared about this. And the Bible says this. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Here's a hint. Whenever you feel fear, that's not God. God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. God will never put you in a situation where you feel scared. Okay? Power, love, and clarity, a sound mind. Here's another one. Inadequacy. People say, I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy. God can't give me this gift. I'm unworthy. Listen, we're all unworthy, sucker. I'm unworthy too. You're unworthy? Listen, we're all imperfect people. We're all unworthy. But thank God that he still gives us his gifts. Here's another one. Pride. Pride. Well, I just don't know how this is going to make me look. I just don't know. I mean, I might get my clothes messed up if I do that. This might make me look a certain way. All right. I would say to do anything for God, you're going to have to get over that pride. Here's another one. It's of the devil. It's of the devil. This is not a gift from God. This is demonic. This is of the devil. I just got to tell you something as the band comes. (laughs) I just got to tell you. My years that I wasn't serving Jesus, that I was doing drugs, never one time when we were sitting in a circle doing drugs together, never one time did somebody say, hey, man, Go ahead and smoke this, and then we'll speak in tongues for a while. That didn't happen. If it was of the devil, we would have been doing it. Not of the devil. This is a gift from God. Here's another one. Sometimes people are looking for God to do something weird to them. They're waiting for like a lightning bolt. And if the lightning bolt doesn't happen, that experience, then they're like thrown off, and they're just waiting for something weird. I already told you my testimony of when I received the baptism. And then lastly, is undealt with sin. In other words, the Bible's clear that the Holy Spirit can't come and fill a vessel that's full of something else. So if there's sin in your life, and this isn't like, have you sinned this week? Listen, that all, we all have. This is more like, when I said those words, you have sin in your life. It's something that you know about and that the Lord's been trying to deal with you on and that you have resisted God and said, no, I'm holding on to this. I'm holding on to this view of sexuality or I'm holding on, you know, to to these thoughts or I'm holding on to this gossip or whatever it is. Then you have undealt with sin. There's something that came to your mind instantly when I said that, okay? That's a hindrance to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. As I close today, I just want to tell you a story, and then we're going to have just a, a fun time. I've left some, some time today just for us to seek the Lord together and have fun for a few minutes. Um, 
There was a, a true story about a little boy who was eight years old. He was learning to play the piano. And his mom was taking him to piano lessons, but the only song that he knew was Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. How many of you know Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star? Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, how I wonder what you are. Dun, 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 dun. That's all the words I know. And this only, only song he could play on the piano was Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And one day, his mom wanted to inspire him to, to play the piano even greater and, and to really, like, push forward in his lessons. So she took him to see a piano player, a pianist named Paderewski. That just sounds like a piano player, Paderewski. There were thousands of people, about 3,000 people that filled this auditorium, true story. And the mom took her little 8-year-old son who knew how to play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, and she walked in, and she saw a friend when she walked in. And so she did what moms do, and she began to talk to her friend. And he did what 8-year-old boys do, and exited mom and began to explore the building. He began to walk around that building, mom not even realizing that her son had just walked away. And he walked from room to room, and then he saw a sign that said, no admittance. How many of you know that doesn't mean anything to an eight-year-old? He kept walking. And he saw a piano. He walked up to a grand piano, and he began to play the only song that he knew. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. The mom, who had now figured out that the son had, had walked away, man, she's frantic. She's looking for her son. She can't find him. But then all of a sudden, she looks up at the stage of the auditorium full of 3,000 people, and the curtain opens on the platform. And there's her 8-year-old boy playing twinkle, twinkle, little star. Oh, She's frantic. She runs to the stage to save him from the most embarrassing moment of his entire life. And just as mom reaches the stage, the, the pianist that everybody had come to hear, Paderewski, came out from behind the curtain and motioned for mom just to stop and have a seat. Paderewski sat down on that piano bench next to that little eight-year-old boy, and he whispered these words into his ears. He said, son... Just keep playing. And that little boy just kept playing that only song that he knew, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, How I Wonder Where You Are. And Paderewski reached his right arm around that little boy, and he began to fill in all of these high notes at the top of the piano. And then he reached his left arm around the little boy, and he began to fill in all of these low bass obligato notes at the, at the bottom of the piano. People began to weep. All across the auditorium, they said it was the most beautiful thing that they'd ever seen and the most beautiful music that they'd ever heard. And the little boy is there, and he thinks he's making all these people cry. He thinks he's having a, a great impact on these, this crowd. They're clapping and cheering. He keeps playing. They don't even under, he doesn't even understand that the master had sat down next to him 
and fill in all of the notes that he didn't even know existed on that piano. What does that have to do with the Holy Spirit? Oh, see, we're the eight-year-old boy sitting on the piano bench trying to bang out the best song that we can to live our life for Jesus. But we don't even know the notes that we're missing. And the Holy Spirit comes and baptizes us. And all of a sudden, he whispers into our ears, son, daughter, just keep playing. Because I'm about to baptize you and fill in all of the notes in your life you didn't even know were missing. I'm about to take what looked like really hard work for you and make it a beautiful sound. Wow. This morning, we have the opportunity to receive that help from the advocate, the Holy Spirit, as he comes in and baptizes us.